0: Well, I'm going to ask for a huge favor. Um, I'm going to ask for a little bit of grace today. <laughs> because you see, I preach a lot in Spanish. But this is actually the first time that I'm going to be preaching in English. So I used to, I used to lead a um, middle school and high school uh, group. And I used to teach with them in English. But the last time that we did something with them, uh, that was, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. The last time that I did something with them, we had like a Q&A section. And for some reason, one of the teens asked about the rapture. And he was saying, what is going to happen here on Earth after the rapture? And I said, uh, "I what I wanted to say <laughs> is... That it was going to be a complete chaos. And what I said, I said in Spanish, is going to be a complete chaos. Because chaos and chaos, you know, is the same word in English and Spanish. So they start looking at me and they say, are we gonna become chaos? <laughs> what are we gonna, what's gonna happen? And then, you know, after seeing their faces, I realized what I have said and then I corrected and, we went on, but um, so so today I just ask for, for, for your grace. I want to share a little bit about me, um, and usually I talk uh, a little story, uh, so you get to know me a little bit better as well, but I'm a person that likes to go on rides in a bicycle, so that's something that I do, that's one of my hobbies, and I love to do that uh, whenever I can um but i want to tell you something that happened that completely changed uh the way that i ride and how i enjoyed it and is a gift that my father gave me in the very few uh rides that we were going to um to going together riding and that gift was some uh glasses you see when you're riding you start seeing old, you know, the sun starts shining on your face and when you're going on the road, you cannot see well the holes or if there is anything that is going on. Uh, and when he gave me the glasses, it completely changed um, what, what, uh, the way that I ride. And it was really clear what I was able to see. I was able to see everything. And it was such a joy. It was such a joy that it reminded me of a song of a TV series that I used to watch when I was a kid. and It was called The Wonder Years. I don't know if you see seen uh, that series, but I used to love that show. Um, and as soon as I put those glasses, what I remember is the song of that show, which says, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. So I that's how I felt. If it was it was awesome. So what I what I want what I want to share today and the title that I put for today's message is seen clearly. Seen clearly. I'm going to I'm going to explain to you why. Um, but there is a verse that I love and it's First Corinthians 13:12 and it says we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 from the message. So, this, I, I, think whoever wrote that song of that as TV series probably was saying this, <laughs> this verse, uh, because it's exactly what it says. And, um, sometimes we don't see things very clearly. And I think that's what Jesus wanted to tell his disciples, um, about, about, you know, when they start working in the ministry. By the way, if you didn't hear or were not here uh, last weekend, I recommend you go to our website and click on the media and listen to the sermon that uh, Pastor Ben uh, gave, which it was awesome. I really enjoy it. So um, so if you haven't done that, uh, please do it this week. But for those of, the, of you that were here last week, let me do a quick reminder. In Luke 9, 1 and 2, it says... And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So Jesus sent them, and this is the first time, this is like a turning point. This is the first time that the disciples get involved in ministry. Up to that point, they were with Jesus, they were watching, they were with him together, but Jesus was doing everything. And up to this point, uh, that's all they were doing. But now Jesus sent them out to start proclaiming the good news and to heal people. So on verse 10, when they come back after doing this, the disciples were so excited of everything that had happened. He says, on the return, the apostles told him all they had done and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So the disciples were really excited, really excited because they were able to proclaim the good news and they were able to heal people. And I, I, I know their heart was, you know, trying to get out of their chest of, of excitement. But Jesus saw something on the disciples and he told them, guys, let's come apart, I'm sure he wanted to talk to them. And I'm sure they did great because even the people were asking, who is this Jesus, while they were proclaiming the good news. But Jesus saw something, and he wanted for the disciples to see clearly. And what we're going to watch today, or what we're going to review today, is several stories They may may think there are different stories, but all of them are combined. And the purpose of these stories is for Jesus to help the disciples see clearly in different subjects. Um, And and Pastor Ben mentioned that this week we were in a conference. Uh, It was an awesome time. One of the speakers was talking about Generations and he talked about millennials. And one thing that he told is that the millennials, for example, they like to play video games, but, and I don't get this, they get cheats and they go to the end of the game because they want to play and see how the end is gonna be. And then they go back and they start the game all over again. Uh, any millennials here <laughs> that like to do that? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do something for you guys. I want to go to the last, the last verse that we're going to be talking about. We're going to go to the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. So here is the last verse, uh, Luke 9:27. 27. It says, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So after Jesus teaches everything that we're going to see, um, he says to the disciples, Hey guys, you're going to be able to see clearly what I've been trying to explain to you in these few passages. Um, so number one, we're going go to go to the different uh, areas that Jesus wanted their disciples to see clearly. Number one is a correct view of People, a correct view of people. If you have your notes, you can you can fill up the blank. He says on Luke nine eleven. He says when the crowds learned, it, uh, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So. I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes or sandals. (laughs) Uh, They are all excited of everything that has happened in the few past days, maybe weeks. They have been able to talk about God, talk about Jesus and who Jesus is, and they were able to heal people. They were so excited, and they came back to, to, to meet with Jesus. And then Jesus says, okay, let's have a meeting. Let's, have a, a, let's debrief everything that you have said or have done. And then they go with him, and as soon as they go with him, there is a crowd of people that interrupt what they were trying to do. Um, and I think the disciples must have felt, hey, we just did all this ministry, and now you're interrupting something that we're going to have with uh, with the Lord, with Jesus. And they probably felt a little bit, you know, they, they didn't feel right inside. But Jesus, he said that he welcomed the people. So he didn't mind the interruption. Um, the same verse in Matthew, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed They're sick. So he had compassion on them. And that's why he didn't mind to talk to them. And if you look at the word compassion, it says the following. Suffering together. Compassion motivates people to go out of their way to help the physically, mentally, or emotional pains of another. So Jesus saw something special on these people And he says that it was about 5,000 men that came in that moment uh, to talk to them. And he saw something special. So he didn't see everything that was on the outside, but he also looked at what was in the inside. And the next verse, uh, same passage in Mark 6, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things so jesus saw the people saw what was on, uh, happening on their lives and they see and he saw them as people that needed a savior as well that were suffering in the inside and they were looking for him not just not just the person but they wanted, it was something inside. And I don't know if that happened to you, but that happened to me when, when, when I first met Jesus. Um, I wasn't born in a Christian family. Um, I met Jesus, uh, you know, about 15 years ago. Um, and at that time, when I came from Colombia, I'm from Colombia, South America. When I came here to the United States, my only purpose was to be able to make it to be able to have a great job, a great house, a great car. Um, So I was looking only for the material things. And I was doing so well, and things were going so well, I was able to get some of the things that I always dreamed when I was little. But I don't know if you heard, about 15 years ago, there was a huge fire when they were building the Santana Fire uh, Mall, the Santana Row. And I was living across the freeway. And some of the ambers from the fire flew across the freeway and they landed on the roof where I was living. And everything went up to flames. And then I realized that everything that I was, um, my ambition, everything that I was driving towards, it could literally go up in flames in a second. And I noticed that my values were incorrect. And because of a Bible that my grandmother gave me when I was uh, little. And I'm sure because of her prayers. Um, you know, when, when Pastor Angel, if you know Pastor Angel, he was working in the news back then. He came to interview me. And then he said, after the interview was over, he said, you know what? Um, I want you to go to a Bible study. And... In that moment was, was talking, God was talking to me so hard that I could hear him and I decided to go to that Bible study and that's when I accepted Jesus. So, so God sees everything that is going on inside of us and, and he knows what is happening even, even though we may not understand it or realize it. He knows everything that is going on and He's able to see each one of us and He's able to have compassion with us. I'm so happy that He was able to have compassion with me and I'm sure you guys are so happy that He was able to have compassion on you guys because you know what? When we were the worst, when we were so far or so apart from God, that's when he still looked at us and he reached and then he grabbed us and then he gave us an opportunity to follow him. So remember, Jesus has compassion on people and he wants us to have compassion on people. Don't look at people like an interruption. If they're coming towards you, Is because God wants to do something with them as well. And he's using you as a tool to be able to do his will. So don't think there are interruptions with people. Everything is planned and God has a purpose for everything. Amen? Okay, number two. A correct view of God's provision. A correct view of God's provision. Verse 12. He says, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. So, after Jesus was able to have compassion on people and be able to share the good news with people as well, and to be able to heal them as well, then I think the disciples still had something inside. And they got together, all 12 of them, and they say, what are we going to do with all these people? Imagine that 5,000 people, it was only the men that were counted. Uh, It says only 5,000 men. Now, if that culture is like the Hispanic culture... <laughs> that probably number could be 20,000 with all the kids that we have and all the wives and everything. So only 5,000 men were counted, but imagine that. The disciples saw that and they say, what are we going to do? We don't have everything to be, a- or anything to be able to give them. I, th- I think they start talking about themselves and they say, okay, what do we have? Do, do we have enough food or money or something? And only one, one little guy says, hey, I have a couple of fish and, and some bread. Uh, so, you know, I don't have much, but I can, I can give you this. And they say, no, that's not going to be enough. And then they go to Jesus and they say, hey, you have to say, tell them to goodbye. I, I don't know if there are times that you find yourself telling Jesus what to do. <laughs> And then Jesus, this is how Jesus replied. I, I, I love Jesus. <laughs> but he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they say, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we're going to buy, to go and buy food for all of these people. So, so the disciples go with a plan to Jesus, and Jesus says something unexpected. <laughs> and, they, he said, You give them food. And, you know, they spent a few weeks, maybe a few days, doing miracles in the name of God. And they didn't see it then. They only saw what they have. And sometimes people come to you and you say, But what can I say to these people? I don't have much. <laughs> I, don't have, I haven't been to a, a Bible school, or I haven't been studying the Bible, or I, I never preach, I never teach. And God only wants us to use what we have. What, see, the thing is that God wants is your ability to give what you have. And if we do that, He's going to be doing something amazing. So sometimes you may think that you don't have anything, But even the little that you have are going to be such a blessing for that person. It's going to be the right thing, the exact thing that that person needs. Otherwise, God wouldn't allow that person to come to you. So the only thing that you have to be is available and be able to share and to be able to talk whatever you have on your heart. Even if it's little, I'm sure it's going to be a blessing um, for that person. I imagine the kid that had the, the five loaves and the and the two fish, uh, his life probably was so much blessed for what he gave. And he had so much joy of seeing what Jesus was able to do just because he was available and he gave what he had. So always remember that. And then if you do that, Jesus may surprise you as well. Look at verse 17. He says, And they all ate and were satisfied. And that word satisfied, it means that they were full. It's not like they took a little piece of bread because they didn't have enough. That word satisfied it means that they were full. So they ate until they couldn't eat no more. And what was left over was uh, picked up. And 12 baskets of broken pieces now, I believe that every word that is in the word of God has a purpose. Why do you think there were 12 baskets left? One for each disciple. So they could take home. Like a doggy bag. <laughs> <laughs> to remind the disciples of what God can do only if they're available. Not to trust on their own strength but to trust in what God can do through them. And if you do that, I promise you, you're going to be such a blessing to the people, but God is going to bless you even more. I remember my daughter went to a mission trip uh, to Tecate in Mexico. And she was exciting because she was traveling. <laughs> she took a couple of friends, and she was very exciting because, you know, she got to do something with the friends Apart from that and mom. <laughs> uh, but when she came back, she was so transformed. She thought she was going to help people over there. And the people over there helped her on her faith. And whenever you're willing to do something for God, God is going to bless you back in ways that you're not going to be able to understand or even imagine. So just be available. And just trust what God can do. God is a God that created everything. He created the universe. He created everything. He can provide you with whatever you need as long as you're doing His will. If you're doing what He's telling you to do, don't worry, he's going to support you. He got he he, he got your back. <laughs> he's going to be behind you. He's going to uh give you the words that you need to say to that person. He's going to be able to provide whatever you need to provide to that person in order for via blessing to to them. Amen. Okay, number 3. A correct view of Christ. Oh, this is so beautiful. He says on verse 18, now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? So after the feeding, after the five thousand, it says that Jesus went to pray and then the disciples were with him. And then Jesus asked the disciples, so tell me, what, I, what is everybody saying about me outside? What does everybody think that I am? And then they start saying. Um, some of them say that you're a prophet. Some of them say that you are a, a different different attributes and different uh, titles. And this is this is um, uh, what Jesus said to them in particular. Then he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" So. He wasn't so much worried about what everybody else was saying. He was worried about what they thought about Him. And the same question I think God does to uh, or gives us uh, the same question. Who do we think Christ is? And I want to, I want to uh, go a little bit further on the response because this is so amazing. Peter answered, the Christ of God now, what I want you to understand is that the Christ of God is not a name. It's a title. And it means the Messiah, which means the anointed one. So what Peter was saying is, not, you, you are Jesus Christ, is what we will say. But what Peter was saying, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that has been anointed, anointed from the Father. To be able to come and save us. So he was proclaiming that God was Lord. And then look at this. Look at look at um, um, what Jesus responded in, because of that. He says, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and on the third be raised. So what Jesus was trying to say to them is, you're correct, I'm the Christ. But the Christ, the number one thing, the most important thing that it should apply to us when we say who Christ is, is that he came, died for us on a cross, and on the third day he was resurrected. And because of that, now we can have a relationship with God again. So, the most important thing that Jesus came to this earth to do... I'm not saying it's the only thing, because He did many things. And the number one and most important thing that Christ should mean to you... And I'm not saying it's not the only thing, because Christ it means everything for all of us. But the most important thing to understand is that uh, Jesus died on that cross for you and for me. See, if we don't understand this, we don't have a clear view of who really Jesus is. If in your heart don't believe that Jesus died on that cross and He resurrected, and He now is a sacrifice acceptable for us to have a relationship with God, and to be able to have an eternity with God, then we're not seeing things clearly. The most important thing that you need to see Christ as is as your Lord and your Savior. Savior. Now, I cannot tell you what's going to happen in detail after we die. But I can tell you that because of what Jesus did, we can be with him for eternity. I imagine a little baby, and the baby's inside uh, uh, the mom, and that baby is so excited to be there. Imagine that—he gets food for free, he doesn't have to work, he doesn't have to pay bills, he doesn't have to stress, he doesn't have to go to school. He's just there in a in a tub. <laughs> he's there in a jacuzzi having a great time just kicking around and stress-free <laughs> and then after nine months that baby goes through something that he didn't expect he didn't know it was going to happen and he goes to a lot of trauma and he comes out and he comes into this world now The baby didn't know what was going to happen. But mom and dad knew what was going to happen. And mom and dad were expecting that kid. And the heart was, you know, getting out of their chest because of joy and so happy that the baby was coming out. And I think that's what God is right now. He has a purpose for us in earth. But his heart is going out of his chest when we passed away and when we go into the presence of God. That's how the Father feels when we come to him. Now, we don't know what is going to happen exactly or how the process is going to be. He just told us a few things in the Bible. But what we know is that because of the sacrifice that Christ did, now we're going to be able to be with him. And I tell you, He spent seven days to create everything that we can see. He has been over 2,000 years preparing a place for us. So I'm sure whatever he's doing over there is going to be amazing. (laughs) It's going to be wonderful. And he says that he's going to erase every tear for us because we're going to be in such a joy that we're going to forget everything that happened here on earth, um, at least all the bad things. (laughs) But... It's going to be such a joy for us. And we couldn't have that unless Christ have died in that cross, resurrected, and unless you have decided to make Him the Messiah, your Lord and your Savior. Amen? Okay. Number four, and with this one I close. A correct view of a disciple. In verse 23 he says, And he said to all, if anyone, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I got to tell you I had a problem in the beginning a few years ago with this verse. You see, when I read and he and, and said that I had to take the cross... This is what it meant for me. He says. That being a disciple. Meant that I have to suffer. And that. Uh, if, if something bad happened in my life. Oh well. I got to take my cross. And go with it. <laughs> if a sickness came to my family. It says well. I'm a disciple. I'm going to take the cross. And continue. So. Everything was about me. It was like, oh, poor me. Look what is happening to me. Oh, poor Andres and his family. They, they were, you know, they had a a fire on their house and they lost everything. And, and I was actually looking for people to have compassion over me, but my, my ambition or, or what I wanted to do is just to see me, people suffering with the cross. And I thought that that was uh, uh, being a disciple. That's what it meant, being a disciple. But then um, I learned something that changed completely the view of this. See, there is a verse that I, that I loved, And that verse is in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You probably have heard this verse. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he says that something amazing happens to you. He says that you become a new creation in Jesus Christ. So he makes something new out of you. In the kingdom of God you have to realize that the most important thing is God. The second most important thing is the people around you. And the third most important thing, or last, is you. What Christ, or what Jesus was telling the disciples is, hey, don't look at yourselves. I want you to look in everything that they do. Look at God first and look at the people that is around you next. So, the, the problem is that our nature is to look at ourselves first. Uh, so, th- there is this um, uh, tension when we come to Christ. And we want to do the things that we like. We want to do the things that are better for us. And in the kingdom of God, is completely reverse. Now, when you decide... To to look at God first and to look at other people second is when you're taking your cross and you realize that everything that God did for you, sending his son, which I still don't understand, sending his son because he'll love us, then the only response that we have is to say, Lord, your will be done and do everything in my power. To be able to obey your will. And when we're doing that, we're nailing our own body. And saying, hey, it's not about you anymore. It's about God and others. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about what works for you. It's not about what other people see about you. It's, it's not even about what you can get out of this if you are or have declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's all about Him. And when you do that, everything else takes care. Because God created everything. He's He's the owner of everything. And He can give you everything that you need if you trust in Him and you do what He wants. Sometimes I know it's hard. Because sometimes there's different things that come into your life. And it's hard. And you have to work at it. And that's why it says that it's day by day. Because every day you're going to have a different challenge. And every day God is going to start working in some, something in you in particular. And He wants you to shape you. And He wants to transform you. And He wants to do something beautiful and something special. But the only way that you can grow as a disciple of Him is to be able to say not to me and yes to God. I just want you to bow your heads for a second and we're going to pray. Father, like I say, I still don't understand how you were able to send your own son just because you love us. To be able to, to do that with my own son, I wouldn't be able to do it, Lord. But you love us so much. Your heart is so big for us that you were able to give what you value the most so we can have a relationship with you and have eternity with you. There is no other way for me to pay but to be able to recognize you as as the Messiah, my Lord and my Savior. And to be able to say yes to you and whatever you're doing in my life and the ones around you. Lord, right now I ask for every person that has come today because I know this is not easy. And every day we have Different things that I know you're trying to shape. But sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we struggle. So I just want for your blessing. You say that you provide even the things that we cannot even imagine. So I just ask, Lord, for whoever is trying to follow you. For you to give them the Holy Spirit. And to be able to help them in the journey. To be able to continue and to be able to be transformed by your power. Lord, help us, because without you, we wouldn't be anything. I just ask you, Lord, to be our Lord and our Christ. You are so good. You, you are the owner of everything. There is nothing that you cannot do. And we, Lord, trust you with all of our heart. And we tell you that we're all in and we're all yours. In Jesus' name, amen.